Hello and welcome to Setting the Scheme. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. And I'm Tristan. And Elijah, even though you're not here, we're still going to have a very good time because it is personally one of my favorite days of the year. So to celebrate, may the 4th be with you all. May the 4th be with you all. Also, I will say that, you know, our good friend Elijah, though he is not here, um, he just told us what he is doing in the group chat. And if I were him, I would be having a great time right now. Well, yeah, he's just grading papers. Yeah, he's grading papers, but the, yeah. I think I would rather be doing this. I think I would rather be doing this too, but than being disappointed in my students. (laughs) (laughs) But Elijah, we hope you're still having some fun. Yes, definitely. Uh, But this week, I think we all definitely had a great time with the movie that we watched. Doug, what did we watch this week? Well, folks, we watched the 2016, I mean, I'll call it a smash hit because I really enjoyed it. Um, But we watched the movie Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, also known as the only Star Wars movie we have not covered on either of our podcasts in one form or another. Um, This movie was directed by Gareth Edwards uh, and stars Felicity Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, Ben Mendelsohn, Ben Mendelsohn. I'm so sorry, y'all. I can't talk tonight. Alan Alan Tudyk, Donnie Yen, Forrest Whitaker, Mads Mikkelsen, Riz Ahmed. Uh, yeah, a lot of other people as well. A lot of other people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this movie came out in 2016, a year after The Force Awakens, for a budget of... Why is this not pulling up? I'll go on and give you the box office. One point... billion dollars at the box office you know like those star wars movies do uh and made for a budget of 200 million dollars so i would say it's a smash hit it was moderately successful you could say moderately successful uh ratings wise this movie has a 7.8 out of 10 on imdba an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes a 65% on Metacritic and 87% on the Google uh, Common Sense Media has us at a solid four stars out of five. Yep. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, this movie basically tells us what happens, what happened two weeks before Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Um, and it tells the story of the Rebels getting the plans for the Death Star. And, you know... Not to be confused with the second time the Rebels... Uh, got the plans for the Death Star, wherein many Bothans May died. Bothans died. Yeah, I I love the fact that every now and then people people talk about you know are we gonna get a Rogue One Part Two and I all that and and it just kind of devolves into people saying well we already know that many Bothans died mm-hmm. like like that movie would just serve to show like how many Bothans died. <laughs> well, I think it would probably be more interesting than that, but. I mean, probably, my guess but. is my guess is 37. I think 37 Bothans died. Maybe. Probably the entire Bothan battalion. Hmm. So I, I, well, I, I'm always happy to see more Star Wars material. I think I would probably not be extremely excited about that just because I don't really need the story. Um, I think there's more interesting stories to be told, uh, especially ones that do not take place during the skywalker saga yeah and you know i think i think really that's a credit to this movie um just the fact that by all means this movie doesn't have to exist there's no need for this movie to exist but because it pulls it off so well Mm. i'm really happy that this movie is a thing i'm really happy that i got a chance to see this movie um and i feel like i feel like the star wars canon the Star Wars franchise benefits from having a movie like Rogue One in it. Yeah, and there are great stories to tell. Star Wars is a huge universe and there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And the Skywalker saga takes place over like 60 to 70 years. So, you know, it's... But but we don't need to focus on what's going on with Luke Skywalker the whole time, you know? So that's why I've been a big fan of the High Republic stuff because we're finally getting out of it and exploring another era of Star Wars. That's I wish good. we would get a little further outside that, but 
hey well it's progress i'll take what i can get and you know i don't i don't mind seeing movies like this where they tell a good story mm-hmm. that is still within the, the the time period and the familiarity and the some of the some of the tertiary characters that we already know mm-hmm. if you're still around they're still doing things it's like you know like we know we know that um ahsoka is doing things with the rebellion in the background mm-hmm. you know like it's, there's just stuff like that going on that I think is really cool to see and really fleshes out these the stories that are you know at this point you know like 50 years old yeah. or, or close to it that that you know we, we just keep adding things that in context and it's 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 neat to see oh yeah uh so I know all of us have seen it but tell us about the first time that you saw it well so you want to get started well, like any Star Wars movie, I watched this movie with my mom. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Heidi Gooden, who we already know will not listen to this episode of the podcast or any episode of the podcast. Star Wars episode? Probably not. I don't even think she ever listened to the Star Wars episodes we did for say for uh, some jerks. Hey, to be fair, those were all at least two hours long. Oh no, they were yeah. insanely long. Um, but uh, but yeah, if if you're if you're new here and you don't know. My family tradition is anytime a new Star Wars movie comes out, my mom and I watch it together. Yes, it is adorable. Yes, it's the cutest thing on earth. And, you know, it's our thing. It's our thing. We, that's, that's just the way we do it. And, you know, I remember us seeing this movie in Albany, Georgia. I'm pretty sure we caught it on a late night screening. This was before I had graduated high school. Um, so... So that's something. This is in my junior year, <laughs> which, you know, I'll just go on and say. A young man. This, this was not in my junior year. Did this come out in May or in Christmas? Christmas. Christmas. Christmas, Christmas of 2016. So this was my senior year of high school. Um, not a bad year. Not a bad year. You know, I was ready to get out of, co- I was ready to get out of high school, ready to start college. But, um, but yeah, I remember really, really enjoying this movie. Um, I enjoyed the ending way like the ending was some of my favorite filmmaking I'd ever seen. Like from the moment, from the moment a Mon Calamarian says, bring in a hammerhead Corvette until the end. I got to tell you, that still is some of my favorite filmmaking ever. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, for me, it actually goes back even further from the moment that they land on Scarif to the end of the movie is uh, probably one of my favorite things in all of Star Wars. Um, but as for my experience with this movie, uh, I also saw it when it first came out. Uh, opening night, I don't remember who exactly I saw it with, probably Haley and some other people in my family. Um, but I remember watching it and thinking as they were getting to the end, there's no way they're going to kill them, right? Like they're all going to get out. And then K2SO dies like, oh, uh, yeah, they'll kill Detroit, of course, but there's no way they're going to keep doing that, right? And then they keep doing it. And it, I did not think that this movie would commit to that. Uh, We'll talk about this a little bit later, but it was nice to see a Star Wars movie that actually felt like it had stakes. Like, yes. Despite knowing how this movie ends, because we have the original trilogy to see what happens. This movie still does a good job of adding suspense to that. Uh, so that was um, one thing I was a big fan of. One thing I was not a big fan of, um, even from the first time I saw it, uh, which is a wildly unpopular opinion, but I personally do not like the Darth Vader hallway scene at the end of the movie. Um, I thought it was a little too over the top and completely shifted the tone of the movie um i don't know it almost took me out of it a little bit Uh, i will say the more i've watched the movie the more i've enjoyed that scene but when i first saw it it was very jarring uh my experience was i saw it opening night um as usual with every star new star wars movie um i go i didn't do this with solo but i did it with the others um, I saw it with uh, Mikey and his sister and her husband and I think Graham and 
I dressed up as an Imperial officer. I wore my costume to this nice. one. And uh, I'm glad. I got pictures. People were taking pictures with me. They thought I was there, I guess, working. I don't know. <laughs> but it was a really fun experience. We always go to the Mall of Georgia and watch it on the IMAX. Oh, it's so cool. And uh, anyway, yeah. We... Um, we uh, we did that, and my first experience I thought it was awesome. I saw it two other times in theaters while it was out. Um, pretty pretty quickly was one of my top Star Wars films. Yeah, right after I saw it, you know it. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, it's it very quickly rose to the top for me, and is still close to the top today. Um, but yeah, this movie. As we uh, mentioned earlier, it's pretty much everything that happens a couple weeks leading up to Star Wars A New Hope uh, follows the story of Jin Erso uh, as she and a ragtag group of rebels try to steal the plans for the Death Star because uh, her dad was the lead engineer who built the fatal flaw into it. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, dive into this. Um I think the first thing that we should talk about is uh, Michael Giacchino's score, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first Star Wars movie that John Williams did not score, right? Yep. Yep. That's correct. Did he score uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars? Animated no, movie? that was Kevin, Kevin Kleiner, I think. But he I think... Rebels. However, I think that um, I'll be honest with you. I recognize the fact that uh, I recognize the fact that the Star Wars, the Clone Wars movie, um, is technically a Star Wars movie. But I first live action Star Wars movie that John Williams did not. There it is. Um, uh, I don't know who did the score for that. I don't even count that movie. Uh, you were right. It was Kevin Kiner. Yeah, no, it's Kevin Kleiner. Or is Kleiner. it Kleiner or Kiner? Uh, <laughs> All right, I don't. You're listening, Kevin Kiner. Kevin, Kevin, we know that you listen to this podcast regularly, and we do want to just applaud you for your work on both Star Wars The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Dude. Not specifically Star Wars The Clone Wars the movie, because let's be real. That was a bad movie. That's a dumpster fire of a movie. But look, after you did those last 12 episodes of The Clone Wars, I mean... I mean, my hat goes off to you, man. Where's the Emmy? Or where, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um... I uh, honestly, if John Williams is busy and uh, Michael Cuccino is busy, call call you up, baby. Like where you yeah. at? So we we were talking about this before we started off with the podcast, but Michael Giacchino, I think when I think when the movie first came out, you know, everyone's sort of reaction was because I feel like everyone knew that this was the that John Williams was not scoring this movie. I remember that being like a talking point like before this movie came out was that John Williams wasn't doing the score for it. But I feel like, you know, people were so quick to say, well, he was influenced by John Williams score. And really this watch, I was telling the guys this, you know, it just occurs to me how much of his own thing, this score is Mm -hmm. like Michael Giacchino really took the time to, to do this original score that feels completely unique Mm -hmm. does not really feel like it's copying the original star star wars score Mm -hmm. in any way but clearly you know it oh it pays homage to it it references it but it still remains its own thing and i gotta applaud the guy for that Oh, absolutely i mean as we've seen just in the last couple years michael giacchino is probably the hottest composer in the world right now yeah i mean he is. he is scoring all types of movies uh from pixar he's doing Lightyear. um he did the batman he's he in a lot batman, of animation yeah. planet of the apes movies planet of the yeah. apes movies he's directory he's making his directorial debut a little bit later this year uh in really wolf by night yep it's a mcu halloween feature um he is directing uh so i'm very excited to see that um, um but i mean well, he is just the guy right now in hollywood you know a lot of people when this movie was coming out they were asking and and, and talking about and posting about the internet 
like what what is going to be different everyone was wanted to know like how is it going to be different from the star wars movies and mm-hmm. will i like it <laughs> and will i hate it you know what i mean like mm-hmm. yeah every, like every star wars fans question is am i allowed to hate this product <laughs> i don't know why star wars fans are the worst star wars fans out there oh and, absolutely and they're you know they're just that's how it is but I, I yeah it was the score i remember it was like wow not john williams okay and then it was I mean, like i remember people being upset that the movie didn't have a title crawl that's what i was about to say exactly that too. people were talking that about too. that it's like whoa this is going to be way different no title crawl it's like yeah. what, what are you guys talking about because i mean it, it doesn't need it it's it's not one of the saga film or saga films i yeah it doesn't need it it is its own self-contained story that sets the stage for you it tells a cohesive story that is self-contained which i really appreciate about this i saw Um, someone go ahead sorry i think that helps it kind of stand out among other star wars films because like yeah they are all self-contained stories but not to the point that this movie is like it's not building to a sequel it's not trying to have these characters fall in love just because it's it does its own thing. It keeps everything grounded. It keeps it all in this little bubble that is this movie. And I think that's how this movie gets the stakes that it has. Because like, even knowing what comes after this, you don't know what the first time you watch this, what's going to happen to these characters. You don't know that Gareth Edwards is going to say, yeah, we're going to kill everybody that you meet in this movie. And it's and- just... It, the first time you see it, it just blows your mind. And I mean, at least for me, I was not expecting it. Sorry, I'm I, interrupting you. No, it's okay. It's okay. I think that, you know, because I, I remember that was such a huge debate about the fact that this movie doesn't get a tile crawl. I, and, and I saw someone somewhere make a fan made title crawl for Rogue One. And they were like, well, episode three happened. And episode four hasn't. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Like, that was it. Like, like what setup do you need? Like, you... if First of all, I'll be real with you. I don't think that there's a person out there who goes to see Rogue One before they go to see any other Star Wars movie. Right. I, I, I'm sure that that person exists, but I find it very hard to believe that you have no knowledge of Star Wars before or after this movie like and again i'm sure you're out there if you're out there and you happen to be listening to this podcast welcome we are so happy that you're here but also like you know you know what you know where we're at Mm -hmm. you know where we're at and you know i think the thing that this movie does really really well and i think something that Michael Giacchino does really well with his score is that, you know, these are rebels. These are people who don't necessarily have a plan. You know, Jen Erso even says, we're just going to keep taking chances until the chances are spent. You know, they're flying by the sea of their pants. And so when Michael Giacchino is doing the score for this movie, it's very moment to moment. You have a little bit of an overflowing, um, an overflowing, uh, score or narrative score that sort of like connects everything together. But for the most part, each piece of music is very specific to the scene that it's accompanying. And I think that gives this movie a feeling of, of sort of the sporadic nature that the story has to take place in. Because if these are rebels who are just trying to carry out one mission, everything's not going to go according to plan. So it makes sense that the plot doesn't follow this very nicely tied in a bow hero's arc that a new hope follows. Um, so in fact, I think this does almost the opposite. It shows that the rebel Alliance is not a bunch of heroes. It's a bunch and, of people trying to win a war. And, and that's something we don't have it down here, but I think, I picked up on that this time watching through is that this movie really succeeds at showing why the empire is as big of a threat to the rebels as it is, because, mm-hmm. you know, we've all heard that joke about how stormtroopers can't hit straight stormtroopers have terrible aim, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter that they're not the best soldiers. A, there are more of them 
And B, they have just a little bit of training. Rebels don't have anything. Right. Rebels quite literally are just pulling this together and making it up as they go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's <laughs> I think that's why, you know, going back to the hallway scene, I think that's why the hallway scene works so well is because these are people who are so out of their depth mm-hmm. doing this massive job, doing this massive task. And they're going up against, though they might not be the best militia, a well-formed militia. I mean, I think it makes it that that much more impressive for what happens in A New Hope. Because, I mean, we see at this point, even the Rebel Alliance is not really that united. Like, uh, the Council is completely split on what they want to do. If they want to split the forces and just kind of go their separate ways, or if they want to take the fight to the Empire. And at the end of it, if Jen and um, and the rest of them had not gone to Scarif, I mean, who knows what would have happened? Like the events of the original trilogy would not have been set into place. And yeah. like knowing what they have to do in A New Hope after like literally weeks after the Battle of Scarif to see them come together and destroy uh, the Death Star, like it's incredible to see, like, uh, what they had to come through. Yeah, and I I like how you mentioned this before, how much this story is removed from the Skywalker saga. Um, not not completely because I mean, Luke Skywalker is the one who blows up the Death Star, mm-hmm. but um, and it's all due to the events of this movie that they can he can do that. <clears throat> but you know, I mean, there, there, and and this is a this plot, even though it has to do with something um, pretty well tied to the main story, we could still do. It's still such an open book. Like the the things to accomplish if you're if you're making the plot of this film is get the Death Star plans, and however you want to come up with that ha- happening is is what your movie is so you can you can do whatever you want and it's such an open slate and that 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 no you have no no one has any expectations of these characters no one has no one saw these characters 50 40 years ago you know what i mean like no one saw no, these but characters people before. did see the trailers for this movie and immediately immediately think that jen Erso is going to be raised mom that's i remember that i remember that <laughs> It was a short-lived theory. I, I'm speechless. Irrelevant. <laughs> well, <laughs> it. Well, you know, it goes back to the. It goes back to the old. Um, all the members of the Empire speak with British accents. All the heroes don't speak with British accents. So whenever you have someone speaking British, speaking with a British accent in these movies, people are instantly like, "That someone is related to Ray." But yeah. what you didn't know is that the Senate himself was related to Ray. Yeah. Um, whatever. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about the rise of Skywalker. Uh, but yeah, I, I was just saying, like, there's so much you can do with this. And it, it just gives it's kind of like, you know, you mentioned earlier the um, the, the High Republic. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's something that has not. It was in the EU before before Disney took over. But I mean, that that stuff has not been touched as far as canon goes. Yeah. And it's just such a blank slate. And there are a couple of characters that are around, like Yoda, you know, and maybe a couple other ones that, that are that old. And so I but, know that they are starting to touch on some of like the end of the higher public stuff, which we'll get into more characters yeah. that you'll recognize yeah or like count dooku or something mm-hmm. i mean it's it's just it's exciting to to see that kind of stuff and it, and it's i you know i do star wars role plays every now and then and that is something that i crave i crave mm-hmm. an original story and i'm i'm the one crafting it a lot of times or with my friends you know um with you guys specifically mm-hmm. we've played one and that that's we haven't kind of, finished it but yes we're that's true now. that's true um and it's just stuff like that like movies like this and shows that reminds me that 
this is a this is a giant universe that mm-hmm. so much cool stuff can be done with. It's like mm-hmm. all these original games that aren't tied to a trilogy, like Knights of the Old, Knights of the Old Republic, is a really good example of mm-hmm. a Star Wars thing that exists. It's like Rogue One, that is just not tied to something, and you can just do so much cool stuff with it. Yeah. So. I think it's interesting that you bring up uh, a Star Wars roleplay because that's exactly what this movie feels like. Uh, it yeah. feels like a just a gigantic Star Wars roleplay, like yeah. uh, with each member of the main group being the main party. This is uh, like this is like a six session campaign. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I think that's one of the things that I love about it because I mean, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, and like and... you even have the rapid character development that you would see and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we talked about this before we started recording, but one of the things that this movie experienced was insane reshoot, insane reshoots. And I looked it up, and a lot of those reshoots came from the fact that they tried to give as much backstory as possible to each of the characters. Mm-hmm. And while that is to be commended. You know, I feel like this movie needed to have a little bit of ambiguity. Like, Chirrut and Baze, I think that works great with the fact that we get, I think we get a sentence of backstory about them, and that's it. And, you know, so it we doesn't get the ta- third Guardians of the Wills, and that's, that's about it. Yeah, and, you but, know, we could have we could have had a whole movie given us their backstory. I would but, love to have a whole movie about their backstory, I think. I mean, those are two of my favorite characters in the entire movie. Yeah, I mean, I love them. They're great. Also, shout out to just, you know, it. I think that those characters also introduce a whole new aspect of the Force. I mean, not entirely new, but... A different perspective on the Force. A different perspective on the Force. Yeah. And sure, we can have a whole movie giving us their backstory, but in this movie, what we get is fine it's enough it tells us everything that we need to know it tells us everything that we need to know about them and that's okay i think go ahead go ahead they're they're just they're just not um they're they're not introduced as characters that are essential to the plot coming through and like Mm -hmm. what needs to happen and so we don't think of them as like wow who is this main character i see on my screen now every second you know what i mean i think it i i think it also goes to show you know sort of the the intelligence of this plot because think about in the trailers for this movie they played up saw guerrera a lot saw guerrera was in every single trailer he had multiple scenes in the trailer and when you introduce chirut and bays as soon as you're done introducing them or right before you introduce them, you introduce the audience to Saul. And so I think that this movie does an interesting sort of mind game with its audience in that it says, you know, you think that Saul is going to be our main character, but no, we're going to get these two other characters who you really don't know a lot about. I will say, I think that was also kind of just a marketing thing um, because this movie was marketed very interestingly because a lot of the scenes that got cut from the final cut of the movie were those that appeared in the trailers um so i think you come in with this expectation based on this marketing that does not contain most footage from or that is majority things that got cut from the movie yeah but i will say i think that even in the even before the reshoots i think saw guerrero like died pretty early on maybe i don't know um maybe but like it, it's just like he was gone in the first act, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and and that was the closure. And it's like I I think I think it's just done really well to show mm-hmm. here are three sections. It, it kind of props up the you know here's three different settings in a film, and here's three different settings or sessions that you could have in a role play, and bam. You know, mm-hmm. like it just reminds me again of that sort of thing. Yeah, I I think also I think that this, you know, I gotta applaud this movie for the fact that it gets moving and it does not slow down. Yeah, and 
I think it's paced really well in spite of that. Yeah, oddly enough, this movie made me think about a movie that I watched last week, which was awful. It was atrocious. I watched Morbius last week, <laughs> and I told the guys, you know, it's pa- it's paced insanely quickly. Like, you jump in, and you are going. You hit the ground running. And that movie feels like it's three hours long. Granted, this movie's two hours long, and it does feel a little slow at times. But its pacing is... it pay- Its pacing matches the plot matches the tone matches everything else to do with this movie yeah it's not like morbius where you're running towards a brick wall you know what this movie does it subverts your expectations (laughs) you know you know what uh, i I thought this when i was watching this and a lot of almost every single shot in a star wars piece of media when they're jumping to hyperspace and it pans over from whatever's happening over to them like jumping you know and it just mm-hmm. shows them from behind it does that in this film and it pans over but suddenly darth vader's cruiser shows up and the music doesn't change like we just see it happen and it's like you're shocked because there's no cue there's no musical cue it just bam darth vader is here now and like several of the ships that are supposed to jump just hit him and blow up you know and i like that this movie kind of gets out in front of uh some of the controversy that came with the last jedi with the holdo maneuver because i mean this movie shows that yeah that doesn't that's not a guaranteed thing that's going to work every time and we see that right there well also for the record this came out before last jedi i know that's why i said like it gets in front of all that Yeah, yeah yeah okay that's fair um yeah uh they they did use a ship mint for pushing ships though but, hammerhead oh, corvette baby hammerhead I mean, corvette that that wasn't the original and uh, from my understanding like the first time i saw that ship was in coder that's the that's the republic and it was just a ship it was just like a republic vessel and i didn't see it in any other piece of media then maybe i'm wrong do you, do you remember um i i don't i don't I remember, remember ever seeing that, it i remember that there was a lot of talk when the force awakens came out that uh that scene was actually going to be in the force awakens um really mm-hmm. there was going to be a hammerhead corvette that was going to run to a star destroyer and, and push it into something else um yeah and i, but I, I don't just, know I, that it's appeared in any other star wars media i mean i thought it was cool it, oh, that, yeah. that just didn't happen that didn't happen in the in the game you know where mm-hmm. the only other piece of star wars media that i can recall that i saw and i've seen quite a bit that uh has a hammerhead corvette and it, they weren't used for pushing, but it makes sense the way it's shaped. I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, that's one reason I would love to see Admiral Radis in more Star Wars media. Like, I know I said earlier, like, I, I want to get away from the Skywalker saga. Um, saga. Why do I keep saying saga? Uh, saga. Um, right. But, like, there are still interesting things that I would like to know more about. Like the Guardians of the Wills. Like Jedi. Um, I mean, like, there's this whole culture... Like it was this whole thing that is made to seem like this old Jedi safe haven. Uh, like there's a line that uh, there haven't been any Jedi here in a while. Uh, there's a line about, yeah, they were stripping the minds of, or the, um, the um, temple of the Kyber crystals. Like I want to know, I want to hear stories about that. We yeah. see a collapsed statue of a Jedi. Like, was that like an old Jedi temple thing, or like what's going on there? Yeah, I don't know. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I think I think Tristan said it best. You know, this movie is really great at subverting expectations because mm-hmm. because I mean, also something that I think is really impressive about this movie is that everyone knew that this movie took place before a new hope no one knew that this movie was literally going to end right when a new hope starts Mm -hmm. and you know that that may seem like a small thing that may seem like an inconsequential aspect of this movie but i think that's insane that they were able to take a movie that was made 50 years ago and say, we will make a new movie with completely unrelated characters, characters you will never see again. And we will make it line up exactly with the 1970s movie. 
Now, the biggest problem that you run into the into with that is I think what we all can agree is like the biggest problem with this movie is that like if if we have to nitpick something in this movie, this movie makes a decision to completely CGI two characters mm-hmm. who who's both who's both of whose actors sadly had passed away at the time of this movie. Um, and that is Peter Cushing as uh, Grand Moff Tarkin and Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. Yeah, I will say Carrie Fisher was uh, still alive uh, during the filming yeah. and the release of Rogue One, but obviously she was not still 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. So that's why yeah, she didn't have I mean, a prize for role there. Peter Cushing died 20 years prior, you know? Right. So... It's he just, physically could not reprise his role. Yeah, but frankly, he looked pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I think the Tarkin model looks a whole lot better than the Leia model. Well, and also, the Tarkin model is almost always covered in some form of shadow. Which helps it I mean, a lot. If yeah. you told me that he wasn't, if you didn't say anything, mm-hmm. I didn't know that he wasn't real, you could have, you could fool me. I bet you could. For at least full disclosure, bit. full disclosure, you're absolutely right. Because when I first watched this, I figured Peter Cushing had died because he's really old in a new hope anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I was pretty sure Peter Cushing had died, but I saw him on screen. I was like, Did Peter, has Peter Cushing like is he still alive? <laughs> yeah. And so it was the Tarkin, it like you can kind of tell that there's something off, but like not enough that you would automatically assume that CG with Princess yeah. Leia. You're like, oh yeah, that's definitely CG, and I mean, uh, you hit it right on the head. It's entirely the lighting, like Tarkin is pretty much in the shadows or the dark the entire time, and the one time we see Leia, bright white. And it's also worth mentioning the fact that Leia has one line of one line in this whole movie, mm-hmm. and is on screen for a total of three seconds. Tarkin has got full scenes that he's got to do. And still, Leia is by far the worst-looking character. Um, you know, again, full respect to Carrie Fisher, but it—I mean, it just—it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, little did we know, though, that this would give way to to some horrible things in the star wars universe because they did this movie and they 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 made this movie and they said wait a minute we can make all of our characters look younger and you know what i think that that also has something to do i think that also has something to do with the fact that solo didn't do as well as they wanted it to and they had because they didn't market the movie well yeah they didn't market the movie very well but and then um, released it in may with I don't, what else came out in May 2018? I want to say it was one of the Avengers movies that came out in May 2018. In my event, Infinity I think it was War. Endgame. I think it was Infinity War. No, Endgame came out. Uh, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Endgame came out in 2019. Yeah, Infinity War came out April 27, 2018. Solo came out a couple weeks later. It's like, yeah, you, you're not going to compete with that. And also, you can tell that they don't have faith in that movie when you at look all. at the release date. They do not have any faith in that movie. Which is weird. I always thought... I, I understand that this review isn't about solo, so I won't spend too long on this, but I always thought it was weird that after completely changing directors and having to reshoot the entire movie, they did not move their release date, even though they moved their release date on every other Star Wars movie that has been released since Disney took over. But... Anyway, I don't know, but I also think it's worth they set it up for a sequel because <laughs> it feels like a movie they really did not care about. Well, I mean, just because Disney didn't care about Solo doesn't mean that Ron Howard didn't care about Solo. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think this movie being successful and bringing in a couple characters who they CGI'd over and made look like they did in the 1970s if combined with combined with them putting out solo two years later and solo uh they recast the role and it just didn't do well say that again i said then they recast the role perfectly 
I mean, he he did great. I've gr- he's grown on me a lot since I first saw it. Yeah, he's grown I mean, on he me does. a lot since I first since I first saw so it. So you want to talk about an underrated Star Wars movie? It's Solo. Well, once again, we're not talking about Solo. I We've know. covered that movie three times at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, starting on a third. Yeah, but um, but I mean, you know, they did both of those, and now they've just said. We never have to leave Luke Skywalker's story. We never have to leave it. We can keep coming back to it again and again and again until the end of time. <laughs> Folks, you just wait until 20 years from now when they get Ewan McGregor at the age that Alec Guinness was when he shot Star Wars A New Hope, and they will de-age Mark Hamill, uh, who will be probably 90 at that point, Um They'll just de-age Mark Hamill to be like he was when he was in his 20s. It's just like, it doesn't even look good. Like, people talked about, um, spoilers for the uh, the, uh, book of Boba Fett. And Mandalorian. And and Mandalorian. Like, there's an episode of the book of Boba Fett that is literally, it's just Luke Skywalker. And they made this big deal about getting this guy who, quote-unquote, fixed... um, the cg from uh, the season two finale to come in and make it look better and the entire time he shows no emotion whatsoever and it is horrible to watch it is literally painful flames on the side of my face Ugh. dang bro yes uh i love like, it you thought i hated reference. the holiday special no i hate cg luke it is my least favorite thing in the entirety of star wars because and, honestly, at this point, just recast him. If you're going to keep going back to him, there is no reason to keep doing CG. Recast him. And the thing that makes me so upset is that when they were shooting that Mandalorian scene, Dave Filoni said he wanted it to be Plo Koon who showed up in the X-Wing. Mm-hmm. He wanted it to be Plo Koon, which unlocks so many possibilities. Oh, yeah. That would have been really for interesting. The, for those of you who don't know, Plo Koon is just an awesome Jedi an What's awesome that? Jedi he master. Is, uh, one of Dave Filoni's favorite Jedi. Um, if, if you so, watch the if you watch the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. especially like I think seasons two and three, there's a lot of really good Plo Koon mm-hmm. stuff. And also, when you're bringing in Ahsoka Tano, they have a great relationship mm-hmm. that is just excellent to watch. So, yeah, but I think it's so funny that Disney said, "What if you made it Luke Skywalker who rescues?" um grogu at the end of the mandalorian mm-hmm. season two i mean and it makes sense that it would be luke um, it makes sense but i mean it's so funny how they did that people got furious and they were like well we've kind of written ourselves into a hole well it didn't take long for them to undo that <laughs> yeah anyway um but yeah i hope that for when they inevitably go back to luke again they just freaking recast him. Let let Mark Hamill retire. Right. Let Mark Hamill uh go and um go and be the Joker one more time or something. I don't also, know. Also, I just want to say this on the note of recasting, because people had this huge issue when Alden Ironwright got cast as Han Solo. Your recasting does not need to look exactly like the actor was at that age. They can look different. Sebastian Stan does not need to play a young Mark Hamill. I love Sebastian Stan, but that doesn't mean that he would just be a great Luke Skywalker. Cast the best actor for the role. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, but also I think Sebastian Stan would actually make a really great... I think at this point he's getting too old to do it if they're going to do a young Luke Skywalker. That's fair. He's about to he's about, he's about to turn 40. So that's No, fair. but if they had him, you know, if they had a Star Wars like Luke Skywalker show that took place during the Mandalorian. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, or I maybe would also, after. I guess my thing, I also like that when Star Wars first started, they didn't use big name actors. They went after relatively unknown folks. And yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing them go, them go back that, to that. That is one thing that <clears throat> I remember sort of, it didn't rub me the wrong way. I just thought it odd. Because this was the first Star Wars movie I remember seeing a celebrity in the cast. Um, because first of all, when this when this movie came out, I hadn't finished the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and I certainly had not finished Star Wars Rebels. But um, 
But when they brought in Forrest Whitaker as Saw Gerrera, I remember seeing that and I was like, Forrest Whitaker is like a very seasoned actor. I mean, like Harrison I, Ford was a seasoned actor when he did Star Wars. Well, yeah, but like, you know. The, I mean, Star Wars has always had a little bit of star power. Um, but more often than not, they've relied on the relative unknowns. Yeah, I know. And that's that's sort of my point is that it was it was a little weird to see someone of the caliber of force with i mean that's not to say that star wars are not like well made or high art but i i was just it was just weird to see someone like force whitaker do a star wars movie yeah i just i found it very interesting um yeah i'll be real with you i I really enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. It's a very well-made movie <laughs> and it, and it continues to grow on me. Um, I think I'm pretty set as far as like where I would place it in my general ranking of star Wars movies. Like well, we can get to that ranking in just a second. I think yeah. before we do though, we should score the sucker. Let's do it. Doug, why don't you get us started this week? I am going to give this movie an 81 i think this is a really strong movie it's really great um i i I rank it as third favorite star wars movie it's it's honestly tied with revenge of the sith but it's it's so good it is so good it's such a strong movie such a strong cast and it commits to everything that it seeks out to do. It does not pull of it does not pull a JJ Abrams Star Wars movie where it tries one thing and then says, nah, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna upset you. Well, um, for many of the same reasons, I'm actually gonna give it a good bit higher. Uh, I'm gonna give this movie a 93. Um, this is my second favorite Star Wars movie behind The Last Jedi. And I think it does everything almost flawlessly. Um, it's not flawless. I think there are a few issues with the movie uh, between the CG. Um, I personally don't like uh, the whole ending, but overall, I think this is a phenomenal movie. This is a movie that I can watch over and over again, and I'm and I'm cool with it, you know, which is kind of rare. Um, even with movies I love, it's kind of rare. Um, and it's my favorite Star Wars movie. So, but I I'm, I wasn't planning to rank it as high as Ben. I'm going to give it a 90. That's my favorite Star Wars film. Um, and the, really the only, the only things about this movie that draw me out of it, which as a critic, you know, it's easy to get drawn out of a film because you kind of just know what the problems are and you kind of know what to look for. You know what I mean? And you're just like, Eh, I know how they did that, that kind of stuff. Um, but the only thing in this movie for me, really, that pulls me out is some of the cheesiness of the lines. See, but, I mean, for me, that's Star Wars. There's always cheesy yeah. lines. I, I guess it just stands out more to me in this film. I mean, but. even in the original, uh, is there a problem down there? No, uh, everything's fine. Uh, how are you? That That's a joke. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> what, what, what I'm talking about no, is no, like... I, Rebellions like, are built on hope. You know yeah, I mean? rebellions okay, are built I, on I hope. That. Like that kind of stuff. That that reminds me of the Halloween movie that came out this past year where they say, I'm pretty sure like 3,000 times evil dies tonight. Um, and it's like, that's their mantra. And I'm like, that's great. It gets less and <laughs> like less. It gets less important the more you say it, though. Mm-hmm. And this movie, I think they say rebellions are built on hope like four times. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All I had to do was say it once. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, after putting that into our patented scoreometer, bow, 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 bow. Uh, we get a final score of an 88. Uh, so this is a pretty good movie. Yeah. Um, yeah big fan of that. Now, next week, um, we're actually next watching week. a space movie that was released in the 80s. It stars Harrison Ford. Can you guess what we're watching? Uh, I know what we're watching, and uh, I I just want to say... Uh, wait, is it Star Wars? <laughs> no. Wait, is it the conversation directed by Francis Ford Coppola? No. 
Oh, dang. That's actually a good movie. And is Harrison that a space Ford movie paid. from the 80s that stars Harrison Ford? It's from the 70s and it does okay. have Harrison Ford and it's a uh, it's an espionage movie and Harrison okay. Ford plays a piece of crap in it. It's great. Gotcha. No, I, I, I just went with that because I, we were talking about Star Wars and it's also a space yeah. movie in the 80s to start station. Anyway, we're, uh, we're watching Blade Runner next week uh, and I personally am very excited. I've never seen uh, Blade Runner or Blade Runner 2049, uh, but I've always been a little intrigued by them, so curious to see how that goes so so i've never seen them either but i do want to just for the sake of our audience who i don't know maybe some of our audience the same blade runner maybe you haven't um are we watching the theatrical release or the director's cut or the director's re-release because there's like six different versions of this movie you know doug that's a great question and one that to which i do not have an answer good to Um, know but if you tune in next week you'll be able to find out uh, in the meantime, keep up with all the cool stuff that we do on social media at Vider Media. Uh, but yes, this has been our episode on Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I hope you all enjoyed it and be sure to join us next week. Until then, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. And I'm Tristan. And this has been Setting the Scheme. You guys have a great week. <laughs>